Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Genesis 9, 1 through 17. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Genesis in your Bible. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you shall rest on every animal of the earth and on every bird of the air, on everything that creeps on the ground, and on all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And just as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. Only you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. For your own lifeblood, I will surely require a reckoning. From every animal, I, re- I will require it, and from human beings, each one for the blood of another, I will require a reckoning for human life. Whoever sheds the blood of a human, by a human shall that person's blood be shed. For in his own image, God made humankind. And you shall be fruitful and multiply, abound on the earth and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I will establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as you came out of the ark. Uh, I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of a covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and uh, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh." When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. That's the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sam. Well, we have been uh, going through Genesis, and we're we're kind of the second week that we are doing the flood story. And uh, we, we said, just by way of catching up, God created the world, and it was really, really good. God created humanity, and it was really, really good. Like, he stepped back and he, he said, this creature that I have made in my own image uh, is good. And we said that we were created in the image of God so that we might be able to be in a significant and special relationship with the God who created us. Well, Adam and Eve had a couple of guidelines which they didn't end up following, one of which was to not eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And there was a talking snake, and we said then, and we'll continue to say, that the Bible often raises a lot more questions than it does give us answers. Why there was a talking snake? I don't know. Uh, lots of people think that's the devil. It may be the case. Uh, maybe all animals talked then. We don't know. Um, I kind of like to think they did, but that's, that's just me. Uh, and so the, but the, the talking snake uh, introduced doubt into Adam and Eve's mind, saying, God really doesn't say that you're going to die. You're just going to be like him, knowing good 
and evil. And so they begin to think that, that God is holding out on them. And so Eve reaches out, she takes the fruit, and it's good, and she gives it to her husband. And things break. Uh, the image of God in us uh, cracks and shatters, and we are unable to truly reflect God's character in our, in our own lives. Uh, something happens in creation, too. Creation kind of cracks and breaks, and, and farming will be hard, and there will be weeds and pain and childbirth and all of these things. But yet, even though God kicks them out of the garden, he doesn't start over fresh, right? Uh, he remains faithful to the people that he has created, uh, continuing to, to tell them to go be fruitful and multiply. Well, they do, and they have two sons, Cain, kill, Cain and Abel, and Cain one day, because God didn't uh, accept his sacrifice, but accepted his little brother's Abel's sacrifice, he ends up killing Abel. Cain kills Abel. Uh, even though God had warned him, saying, sin is outside of your door, crouching to get you. Its desire is to master you, but you, can, you don't have to let that happen. Uh, obviously, uh, Cain fails, and he kills his younger brother, uh, and he gets, he gets kicked out and exiled too. And he's afraid, though, that because he has done this thing, someone else will kill him. Ironic, right? Like he's the thing he just did to someone else. He's afraid someone might do to him, and so he calls out to God, and God says, "No, I won't let that happen. There will be a mark on you that will will protect you. There are uh, ramifications and consequences for your behavior, uh, exile, but there is also grace. Uh, that accountability and justice, accountability and grace go together. That that God isn't always going to." Well, God's always going to be faithful to us, uh, faithful to the creation that he has made. Well, Eve and Cain and uh, all of them uh, fulfill God's promise of being fruitful and multiply. But when they are fruitful and multiply, the evil that was in their hearts multiplies as well. And evil piles upon evil and until all of the world is just, it's bad. Evil in all of its inclinations and thoughts. But God looks down and he sees one family, Noah and his family, who is, who is righteous and good and faithful. And God says, I am going to wipe everything out and I'm going to start again with your family. And you need to build an ark and fill it with animals. Uh, and this is what Noah does. And, and that story has a lot of questions to it as well. Uh, but yet we see, we see God's faithfulness in the midst of this dark story then I suppose that God could have started completely over, uh, but that God invites Noah to participate in his own salvation uh, and then commissions him again once they hit the dry land to be fruitful and to multiply. Um, and that's where our, that's where our uh, story picks up in verse 9, and, and uh, actually before that anyway. Within like seven verses at the beginning, I hope I have all, all the, what I need in here. Okay, um, within a sh the space of just a couple of verses, God commands Noah and his family to be fruitful and to multiply. Uh, the same command that God gives Adam and Eve, and uh, we, we asked this maybe a little last week. Um, we asked some questions. If, if from the very beginning, sin and evil multiply because of human multiplication, uh, then why would God command Noah then to be fruitful and multiply or e even save anything from the beginning. Um, 
If be, well, okay. If humanity remains unchanged in its productivity, proclivity towards disobedience and unfaithfulness, why would God continue as if the flood never happened? If being fruitful and multiplying led to a multiplication of evil, why continue? Uh, why doesn't God just kind of change Noah's heart and undo all of that, all of that bad? Uh, I, I think, and I've reflected on this a lot uh, in this last week and, and the week before, that I think that these questions reveal a lot more about us maybe than they do about, about God. Like, I, I feel like um, that we ask these questions reveals a, maybe a lack of faith. This is for me anyway. I don't know about you. Uh, that, that, it, that it reveals a lack of imagination. Uh, that the world as it is could be something something different than what it is right now. Does that make sense? The, the, the fact that we're automatically presuming that, that the world is going to, to fall apart in the same way it did before Noah reveals to us maybe that, that we don't believe that God has the ability to work in us and through us enough to avoid a, a re- repeat of the evil that, that plagued the world before Noah. I think it, imagination. Now you guys know imagination, right? Have you lost your imagination yet? No, somebody hasn't. Uh, Izzy hasn't, I know that much. Uh, our youngest son, Josh, lives in his own world. Like his imagination, and I hope he never gets rid of it. Uh, our other two have it as well. Not maybe to the, to the extent that Josh does, but we were at a cross-country meet yesterday for, for Sam, who, who did a great job. And we're waiting for them to, to start, and Josh picks up a piece of chain-link fence. And all of a sudden, it becomes like the end of a grappling hook. And he spends the rest of the day searching for materials to make his grappling hook. And this morning, we snapped a hook off a hanger and taped it to a string, and he now has a grappling hook. I wouldn't trust it with my life, you know, trying to claim on it, but... Uh, there's something in us that, that is able to take the world around us, and, and it's especially evident in our children, right? That it's able to see things that are not there. Possibilities arise out of normal and, and everyday things to become extraordinary. Uh, by the way, most of the time, Josh is a ninja. Uh, that's, that's his default. Uh, I asked him if I could talk about that. He said, yeah. I think, though, that, that sometimes we, we, lo- we have lost our ability to imagine uh, that the faithfulness of God, that the grace and mercy of God could bring about a reality that is different than the way things are now. I think that's what, I think that's what God wants Noah to, in, to imagine and envision as they enter or they, as they exit uh, the ark and begin anew. I think God wants them to be able to see a future that is not broken. It doesn't contain selfishness and evil. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Um, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds and the animals, the domestic animals and every animal on the earth with you as many as come out of the ark. Um, Did it go back to the beginning? I don't know why it's doing that. Are you doing that? No? Okay. 
There we go. Uh, so they, they come out, and uh, God says, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to establish a covenant with you. Now, you all know contracts, right? Um, contract is not a covenant. A contract is, a, is an agreement uh, that expires, and it's usually like, uh, well, it, it binds someone an obligation in more of a legal way. Like, a covenant is different, though. It is a, it's a, it's an agreement, a commitment of faithfulness on both parts. That, that doesn't necessarily have an ending date. And, and whenever we look about God's covenant in the Bible, it is always, it was always in pointing towards God's ultimate faithfulness to creation. Now within these, these covenants, there's always a responsibility on the part of, of humanity to do something, in this case, to be fruitful and multiply. And we'll see more of these as, as the Old Testament goes on. But God establishes his covenant, and he says, if I can get to it, I will establish with you that, uh, that never again shall all the flesh be cut off from the waters and the flood, and never again shall the, there be a flood to destroy the earth. Um, you may have to control the slides for me. Uh, it was verse 11, I think. I'll let, I'll let you know. Um, I will establish my covenant Never, shall, never again shall all the flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall the, there be a flood to destroy the earth. Now, I have heard people, none of you all, I have heard people say that God promised not to destroy the world through a flood, but a fire is fair game. Right? Like, like there's a loophole, and I, th- I think you said it in Bible study, like, I won't pinch my sister I promise not to pinch my sister, but I will slap her in the face next time, right? Or stomp on her toes, I think is what you said. Uh, you know, the, we, we like to make little loopholes in, in things. And I think, once again, I think this reveals a lack of our imagination. Uh, that we believe that only destruction is, is the only way really to, to root out sinfulness and evil. Uh, I don't think that's what this is, what this is saying. I think, well, first of all, we said, too, that the water represents the forces of chaos and disorder in our world, uh, in Israel's war, world, too. And so, like, that was the ultimate, the ultimate form of destruction was be, to be destroyed by water. This isn't God saying, okay, I won't use that trick again, but I'll use a different one. I think, I think it's asking us to imagine Imagine that God is able to bring about salvation for all through a way that is not destructive towards us. I think we get focused on destruction, maybe, and then we, we fail to see, well, we fail to see the work that we're called to do to love and to work towards healing and restoration now. Uh, there's, a, there's a song by a band from the uh, Christian band from the 90s when Christian music was really Christian music. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Lane. Uh, Audio Adrenaline, they're still around. Um, but they had this song called the Houseplant Song. And it was, it was just a silly song. Do you remember this song? No? The Houseplant Song. Uh, it, it starts with, with the, the lead singer saying that once upon a time he had a book and it said that, that all forms of rock music were evil. Um, 
And all you had to do to put it to the test was you take your two house plants and you put them in front of the speakers and, it says, and make the music do the rest. The first you play, uh, what was it? Mozart or something lovely like that. And the other one when you play Petra and Megadeth. Uh, Petra was a Christian band from the 70s, right? Anyway, uh, so he does. The this, this, this song goes on and he takes his, his uh, house plants and he puts them in front of the speakers and he cranks up the classical music first and then he cranks up the, the rock music and it's, it's loud and you know, nothing's happening to his plants. But his neighbor gets really, really angry and he comes over and begins to pound on the door. And he says, why, why are you doing this? Like, Megadeth's dead. He's uh, like, what does it matter that you're testing out whether this rock music is evil when I'm just across the fence? Why don't, why don't we have a conversation? And, and maybe I'm reading too much into the song. But they, he puts his houseplants back outside, actually, as the lyrics go. And, and him and his neighbor, they go out for the, a drive and they begin a beautiful relationship. Uh, that's headed straight to heaven if I get the, the lyric right. I think when we, we get focused on the evil and the destructiveness in the world, we have a tendency to do weird things to our houseplants at the expense of our neighbors. Okay, I realize this may only make sense in my head, but uh, it's, it's where it is. <laughs> Again, I think... I think this story calls us to a fresh and new imagination that sees past destruction, but that sees the power of God working in us. Not just for our salvation, but for the salvation of those around us. For the salvation of our neighbors. Well, we go, go forward here. And verse 12. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between you and me and every living creature that is with you for all generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign and a covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters will never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. Two things I want us to notice here. Uh, I'll go back. This is the sign of the covenant I make between you and me for all future generations. When I bring the clouds over the earth, the bow is seen in the clouds. I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and all flesh. The bow, the rainbow, is not necessarily for us. There we go. That's, out the, that's off a back porch a couple of, uh, maybe, maybe a year or two ago. This is to remind God, not that God needs reminding, to remind God constantly of God's promise of faithfulness to his creation. I think maybe it's for us too, right? We see this and we know that God has remembered that God is not going to destroy the world. But as someone pointed out in Bible study, that, that Jesus is the one who brings this salvation to us. Uh, that when we see that, we know that the heart of God is bent not towards our destruction, but towards our salvation. Second thing I want us to, to remember is that God is making a commitment, a covenant, not just to humans, but to all flesh, to all creation. 
that God's not just interested in saving your soul and keeping you from heaven, or keeping you from going to hell, but not heaven, right? God's not doesn't want to keep you from going to heaven. That's a I think I think there's something important in this commitment as well that God looks at all of creation and says, it is still very good, it is still worth redeeming. And I think this I think this poses a couple of questions for us. Uh, and I think these are what I want us to focus on. If God looks upon a scared, scarred and broken creation with hope, how should we look upon the world? With doomsday glasses or with the renewed imagination in the work of God in our world? If God promises not to bring forth cataclysmic destruction in the face of rampant evil, what should our response to that same evil be? Do we go for revenge? Or do we go for healing and forgiveness and restoration? If God can imagine a future that is not the same as the present, what should we imagine about the future and our place in it. What does it look like? What does this church look like? What does Fulton and Callaway County look like if you and I take our responsibility, if we answer the call to God's loving faithfulness to our world? What does that future look like? Finally, I think, If God's stance towards the world is unyielding faithfulness, what should our posture be? I think so often we want to just cut ties and run, especially when people hurt us. I think this is, I think this story is calling us to something deeper, more faithful, more loving more compassionate and merciful. There's still, I think mercy and justice as they go together, there's still accountability for that. I'm, I'm trying to work that all, all in my head and not just say you can either be just and merciful or merciful. Right? But I, These are the questions. This is God's posture towards us. Unyielding faithfulness. And this is the posture that God has called us to take with the world around us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we have tried to do our very best with this story that you have given to us. Uh, We admit and confess that we are puzzled by it sometimes and Maybe even as we read it, the, I don't know, the worst parts of us, the parts that want uh, revenge and destruction for those who are evil in this world, they come to the surface and we will make the story more about your destruction than, than about your faithfulness and your call to us to be faithful. We confess that to you. Lord, help us to, to read this story alongside the Good Friday Easter story uh, that we might 
we might put that, those things together and see that, that, that your son came into the world not to destroy the world, uh, but to restore it, to save it, to redeem it. That the power that you have over sin and death and <clears throat> evil is the power of love and mercy, of grace and and justice. Lord, as we are about to receive this communion meal, help us, help us to remember that this is, this is who you are. The very core of your being is this self-sacrificial love for us, for all of creation. As we receive it, we ask that that you would strengthen us somehow with these little bits of, of grape juice and bread so that we might go out and that our posture towards each other and towards the world around us would be one of unyielding faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit TakeItToTheHeart.com.